welcome to Evan Christian Voices with the Reformed Church Podcast. Wow, not the Reformed Church Podcast, the New Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and yes, I'm Reformed, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm joined by everyone's okay. favorite community. Why don't you, why don't you just start over right there? Yeah. We've lost, we've lost three-fourths of the denomination already. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to do that. How to renew your church. Get good theology. <laughs> You're right. That would definitely help. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Hello. Welcome to Evan Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite church health guy slash communications director, Justin Nash. We are seeking to lead the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Advent Christian churches. What up, Jay Nash? What's happening there, Eric Reynolds? How's how was it? What do you what do you think of North Carolina weather now? It's seventy five last week and and thirty this morning. So I'll take it, man. Someone in my church said, uh, "North Carolina weather going uh, going from seventy five to thirty like they just saw a state trooper." It's, <laughs> uh, it's true, man. like, yeah. but it's good. I'm, I'm a little under the weather. I don't know if you can tell, but um, yeah, things are going really well. Um, Eastern North Carolina is pretty fun. So no, good deal. Um, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it. In fact, I, I haven't showed you this yet, but uh, I got a new hat for one of my church members. And uh, I don't know if you are from up north, then you have never heard the term "haybo," um, but it is a term used as a term of endearment. Um, Bo is like "hey buddy" or "hey something like that." So I got a church member that always says "hey Bo," and they bought me a hat that says "hey Bo." Oh, so, that's that's very yeah. very thoughtful. It, it was. I was pretty excited to get it. So. And now wearing it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, too bad. Too bad. This is not a video because people could see it. But well, you can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's all it's all camouflaged. I think it's real tree. It might be real tree. It looks like a really nice hat. It's it is. It's actually really comfortable. I might wear this more often. Yeah. So just not gonna, just not not in the pulpit. Just not. In the pulpit. I almost wore it as a joke yesterday in the pulpit, but um, I decided against it. I yeah, was. The, I mean, I was wearing a tie and a jacket, and I thought, well, you know unclass it a little bit with a hat uh, that, that would have been a bad decision so you made it you made the right choice well today we're actually talking about my approach and lessons i've learned in the first 90 days of being the pastor here at hickory grove we could have added that to the list had i worn it in the pulpit yeah because that would have been things i would not do again <laughs> <laughs> so let's just add that don't wear a hat in the pulpit um probably put that Depending on your context, maybe maybe you can do that. I don't know. I can't I can't see Spurgeon wearing a hat in the pulpit. No, no, yeah, and you're definitely not in the South. You're not gonna get by with it. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. So, so what did you learn? What did I learn the first ninety days? Yeah, what did you learn? What have you figured wow. out? Uh, well, I'll tell you when I figure anything out, which probably might be, might be never. So, so why don't you why don't you just tell us then about your approach? Like, what did you focus on? Uh, what have you tried to focus on in your first 90 days? So as I said to my deacons, my public community, I communicated to the church. Um, even like when I was going through the candidating process, I said in the first year, I wanted to focus on three things. The first being preaching, um, the second being prayer, and the third being building relationship. So like with preaching, uh, this is my first time preaching week after week. And since getting here the first week of November, I've preached every single week except for one because they had someone already, even before I accepted the, the, the role as pastor, um, they had someone laid on to, to cover, I think it was Veterans Day weekend. So 
it was kind of weird because it was almost like, I, hey, I preached my first sermon, then this guy comes in the week afterwards, and then we've been rolling ever since. So it was kind of weird, but it was it was also kind of nice. Um, I figured, hey, let me just soak this in while I can because I don't know when the next Sunday will be when I have a weekend off. So it's been good. It's been <clears throat> a I've always thought this because in the last church I was at, we kind of did a couple of different things as far as our preaching schedule was concerned. So by the time I left, we were going straight through the book of Matthew. But prior to that, sometimes we'd spend, we'd just bounce around to different books and we'd have, we'd build like a series based on something practical, but it was still, um, it was still expositional in nature. We'd go through like an entire chapter, a couple of chapters, whatever that might be. And, and that was great. But I'll tell you for me as a preacher now, as the main communicator week after week, going systematically going through a book is really helpful just in preparation because the things that I've like learned over the last three, four five weeks, I'm still using in my sermon preparation for this upcoming Sunday. So that's really helpful. And I've changed my approach a couple of times since I've been here because more, it's kind of like the more at bats a batter gets, you know, they're the more comfortable they get and they might tweak this or tweak that. So I've tried to do that um, to try to improve my, um, my ability to communicate truths of the gospel. So it's been good. And then prayer. I mean, it's so easy to neglect prayer, I think, especially as a pastor, because um, you kind of get subjected to the immediacy of things, whatever that might be. So someone's in a hospital or um, maybe you just have a meeting that you're trying to get, get up for or trying to study something so that you can communicate something. It can be hard to just sit there and pray and feel like you're getting something accomplished. But as a friend of mine recently reminded me, like as an elder of the church and I think I, I think we kind of communicated about this before. I mean, as a pastor and an elder and the scriptures call an elder to, to what, to prayer and ministry of the word. So um, it's looking at prayer as a priority in, in my life as a ministry in my congregation. So. So if you go back even to the first thing, why was that why was it so important that preaching be a focal point for you, be one of the, the three things really that you wanted to focus on in your, in your first year there? Why, why did you feel so strongly that preaching was, was one of the main things? Well, I, I mean, it probably comes down to my philosophy of ministry. So, you know, I look at the role of the pastor, like my main shepherding opportunity, like the main opportunity I have to shepherd the entire congregation is on Sunday. So, um, when we come together for the word and throughout the week, I might visit people either in the hospital or at home or, or grab lunch or coffee with someone. But ultimately that's ministering to one person or a couple of people at most. Whereas on Sunday I'm ministering to an entire congregation of people plus anyone who might not know the gospel as well. So might not know Christ might not be saved. So on Sunday, when I'm sharing the word of God, there's nothing more important in my role as pastor because that's the way that I shepherd the, the church. And I also look at it like this. My main source of authority comes from the scriptures. So, yes, I've been ordained. I've been called as the pastor. So there's a level of authority that comes with that. You know, I've been set apart for that work. Um, and I don't take that lightly. But most importantly, I look at the scriptures being 
that's what I'm trying to communicate. I'm not trying to communicate wisdom on my part or anything like that. Like trying to make the, the scriptures central in, in what is God saying through the scriptures and communicating that effectively. So for me, you know, especially being my first senior pastor, it, it's just so important to get that right. Like I look at if I, if I get everything wrong throughout the week, but I've communicated the, communicated the word effectively on Sunday, I call it a win. Um, and if I get everything right throughout the rest of the week and I've, and I've failed to communicate, maybe I missed the mark in, in maybe I tried to impose something on the text that wasn't supposed to be there or, or, something like that, then I would consider the whole week a failure. So I got to get that right first. Um, and everything else kind of falls into line. That's how, that's how we're going to see change in people's lives. The word is active. It's alive. It's effective in people's hearts. That's what the Holy spirit uses to bring people to salvation and apply the gift of, uh, of Christ's sacrifice to them. Um, and if I'm not sharing the word, then what in the world am I sharing? You know? Sure. Yeah. So how has that affected the way you've, these priorities, how has that affected the way you schedule your time? So I've, I've tried to balance my time and kind of look at what other pastors do and kind of say, hey, how long does it take for you to prepare a sermon? Kind of see where I'm at. And um, I remember... <laughs> I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember listening to Mark Dever and he said he spends well over 30 hours a week preparing a sermon. And as I prayed about that, and I really didn't, I was really struggling. And I said, 30 hours a week, how in the world do you spend 30 hours a week preparing a sermon? And I thought, well, if you're Mark Dever, you can do that. I'm not Mark Dever. My church doesn't need Mark Dever. Um, they need Eric Reynolds as their pastor. So um, it's trying to figure out like, hey, what's a good gauge compared to what other people do so that I'm not spending 60 hours a week on a sermon because you certainly could. Um, but also it takes more than just three or four hours to prepare a sermon as well. So it's trying to, it's trying to prioritize that time, but also not prioritizing it to the point where I forget to build the relationship relationships that are needed. So looking at that, that third aspect of, of what I said, you know, folks on building relationships. So like my sermon prep time, I actually start preparing my sermon Sunday afternoon for the following Sunday. So I just, I have lunch usually like my kids and my wife take a nap on Sunday because I mean, it's just kind of getting ready for the whole week and we probably have really poor sleep patterns. So it's kind of like just a renewal for us, but I try to spend that time um, getting right back into the word, picking up where I left off that morning and kind of just spend time solely in the word. Don't even look at commentaries. Don't look at anything other than the word of God that I'm preaching on that following week and just started asking questions of the text. Like, what don't I know? Like what things haven't I learned yet? Um, what things are a bit ambiguous? Um, you know, like, uh, this upcoming Sunday I'm preaching on, uh, so we're going through a series on the woman at the well in John four. And there's a point in the text where the woman goes and tells the whole, um, the whole, the whole town, the people that she'd been avoiding for so long, uh, Hey, here's this guy who told me everything that I've ever done. And could he be the Messiah and people based on her testimony believe the word there is believe. Um, now at this point, 
I'm not yet, I'm not looking at the original language yet or anything like that, but I'm asking questions of the text because then it later says, based on Christ's teaching, some believe. So, um, so is that the same, is it a different level of belief that they came to, or is it to just some believe on her testimony and then others need to hear Christ himself? So try to battle through that. Those are the types of questions that I ask on Sunday evening as I sit there with just my headphones in and with a pencil and, and piece of paper that just has the scripture on it and just write things out. So, um, that helps me keep the priority of, of the text and the sermon for the whole week. So, cool. So focus your, your goal has been to focus on preaching prayer and, and building relationships in the church. And as you've been there for three, four months now, uh, what are some lessons that you've learned from that first three or four months that might be useful to, to other people? So I really, really wanted to come in and just be silent and listen to people. Um, you know, learn what the history of the church has been, what the history of the people has been, learn the community so that I could exegete the community and understand what the gospel means to them. Um, and what I've learned is that in the midst of that, people kind of look at me after they share everything that they wanted to share and say, all right, so now what pastor, like now where are we going? And as much as I've wanted to slow down, take a look around, kind of get in, get in the business of things and, and, and be more in receive mode than, than sharing mode or teaching mode. There are people that, are, that have looked to me even three years in, or th- not three years in, three months in for real leadership, real leadership decisions. You know, everything from, and not every, I know not every church is like this, but this, our church is, all right, well, do we need to change our worship service? And if so, like, what do you, what do you think, pastor? And I've had to be like, well, let's go slow. Let's not, you know, we haven't made any significant, I think the only significant change we made to the worship service so far has been, and I'll tell you how it goes in a few months, but let this, um, this past month was the first month that we've done communion and they typically have done communion once a quarter. And I've thought it crucial to the life of the church to have communion more often than that. So our goal right now is to have communion on the fourth Sunday of every month. Um, and the reason being is that that's a, the one Sunday a month where we don't have children's church. So now the children get to be a part of that service more so than they would any other time. And our children's church is only for the sermon time. So they see everything else, which I like. I like having children in the worship service and, and having community a part of that. They get to learn like what is, and teaching through that, teaching the church, what, what does the body of Christ really mean? Like, what does it mean for that to be broken for you? Um, what does it mean for the, the fruit of the vine to be, um, to, to, to seal the new covenant and what is the new covenant and talk a lot about that. It's been terrific. I've had a lot of people really excited about it. Um, cause I mean, I, to me, I look at the ordinances, I look at, at communion and baptism to be so central to life for the church that to, to really, to me, I thought, man, if anyone has a problem with this, like, is this a hill that I'm worth willing to die on? And, you know, I don't know. Thankfully, I didn't have to answer that question, but it was it was something that was very important to me and still is. So Cool. Yeah. So what else have you learned? 
uh, every church does things differently. So I kind of showed up here in the ecclesiastical structures a bit different than what I was used to. Um, and trying to figure out how things function and why they function that way. And these are the types of things I really enjoy is see how organizations function and see if it's functioning to its, to its max capacity or not, how could things be improved or not. Um, so that's been really positive. And, um, and one other thing is that I think it's important is sometimes, uh, sometimes what I think is important is different than what other people believe is important. Um, so to me, communion was one of those things I found to be extremely important. And I thought in some churches to introduce it more than once a quarter would could be like, well, why, you know, now we're not showing the proper reverence to Christ because we're doing it too often. I've heard that argument before. Um, and I thought, man, this could be something of a fight, but it just wasn't all that important to people. And I'm hoping that as we do it more, they'll go, wow, this really is all that important. Um, and other people have different views on different things within the church, what is important to the life of the church and what isn't. There are people in my church that find the idea of having a spring and fall revival to be like as central to the life of the church as the gospel. And then there are other people who are like, man, if we canceled this stuff, I would be relieved. Mm -hmm. um, so it was trying to navigate that. It's trying to navigate those relationships and different people's views. So, yeah, cool. What, what else have you, uh, what else have you picked up on and what wisdom can you share? I think maybe the most important thing to me since I've been here is trying to find out the people who I can rely on. Um, if I, if I say something to someone or ask something of someone, uh, will they come through? Um, who can I trust with being a confidant in a sense who can, who can, um, I share things with or bounce ideas off of. And thankfully I found a couple of guys who, who I can really bounce some ideas off of and they're not going to overreact. They're not going to go, you know, they're not going to think that, Oh, we're trying to change everything. Cause that's not been my approach. I mean, I'm more of someone who likes to think out loud and have people talk like bounce ideas around and not just like internalize everything. And then once I have a fully thought out idea, let me lay out a 10 point plan. Mm -hmm. I want to think stuff out and then lay out the 10 point plan. Mm -hmm. So that's been really important for me, but you know, someone else who might have a different personality or a different approach might, might differ, uh, might do things a little bit differently and that would be okay. But at least having someone that you can talk to and get good, good non-biased information from would be a really, really big help for anybody. Cool. Well, Eric, I think, uh, that's some great advice for, for people in the pastorate who are, especially if it's their first pastorate or certainly going into a new situation. And that's some, some good wisdom there and, and a good plan. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Hopefully I don't get fired. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're still in the honeymoon. So I think you're probably okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, all right. So this podcast was brought to us by the AC leaders conference, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Any plug we can put in for that Advent Christian Leaders Conference, uh, April 29th through May the 1st, I believe, is the, are the dates for that. And uh, it's in Waymart, Pennsylvania. And we're really excited to have Dr. Kevin Peck, who will be there. He's a, uh, he's a pastor of Austin Stone 
community church in Austin, Texas, but he's also really, uh, he's really a leadership guy. He's, uh, it's, I think his doctorate is in leadership and he is, um, a, a teacher and a coach for leadership for all over the country, all over the world, really. And we're just really excited to have him in a format that's going to allow our participants one-on-one time on with him, that they can actually walk away with a customized, contextualized plan for their church to develop leaders. So we're really excited about that and, and hope as many people as possible take advantage of the opportunity. You can find out more at acleadersconference.com or just visit us at acgc.us and find information at both places. By the way, you guys have made some pretty neat changes on your on your website. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we uh, there's been a lot of hard work on that. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we hope it looks good and works better for folks. You're welcome. Well, thanks, Justin. And um, for those who are listening, we hope it wasn't a waste of your time. And we will talk to you soon. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.